This is the Fatty Joe Show, coming to you from Casa de Carey, deep in the forests of Nutmegerville. This show is dedicated to exploring pathways to better health from a holistic perspective. In each episode, we will explore such topics as nutrition, mental and emotional health, fitness, and more. I'm Yogi, your host, and I became interested in studying health after conventional health dogma became damaging and led me to become massively overweight. Against modern convention, I went on a keto lifestyle and I lost over 300 pounds and gained a level of control on my personal health that I never had before. Now I'm on a journey to find out what is myth and what is truth in the ever convoluted world of what is considered healthy. Come join me on a journey of discovery as I look for a path to improve total health. If you'd like to support the show, head over to patreon.com slash the fatty joe show or patreon.com slash carrie brown. If you want to check out all of our social media links and recipes, head to carriebrown.com. Don't forget to leave a comment, like, and subscribe to the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the heart of the Nutmegger Forest at Casa de Carrie Land, Carrie Brown's house here in Connecticut. We are back with the Fatty Joe Show, and I am very excited to have our next guest on. It's somebody I've actually been working on trying to get on the show for a while because they've done something that I've been wanting to do for a very long time and is still planning on doing it. It's one of the reasons why I've actually started focusing on losing weight so I can actually fit into some new gear. Um, we have Jesse Greger on the show, and she is an individual who did a through hike on the PCT Trail, which is approximately 2,650 miles long, and she stayed keto the entire way. The length of the trail can vary depending on what's going on on the trail. Like occasionally, it's on fire, um, so you know that the, it can get rerouted a bit. Sometimes it's actually even longer. So we'll have to find out how long it was when Jesse walked it. Jesse is also the founder of Next Mile Meals. And these are something I am very familiar with because I've actually had them on the truck when I was a trucker. And the great thing about Next Mile Meals is they are actually a keto backpacking meal, which is incredibly hard to find. 99.9% of all keto or of all backpacking meals on the market are completely loaded with junk carbs, sugar, and starch. And most of them don't taste all that great either. So um, of course, everything tastes better after you've hiked all day. But Jesse has come up with these meals that are, are really fantastic because they actually fit in with your keto macros. Um, they're high in protein, low in carbohydrates. And if you want to add more fat, there's great ways to backpack some fat in. Um, but otherwise, these things are great sources of sustainable energy to keep you going. Before I get rocking on the show, I do want to do our rock star shout out. The rock stars are our Patreon supporters who help keep the lights on and 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 keep us going. And you could be a rock star too if you go to patreon.com slash the fatty joe show or patreon.com slash Carrie Brown. And you can help us develop recipes. You can help us put out more information to keep people healthy um, and also improve all the content that we put out there. So 
I want to give a shout out to Annette St. Pierre and Deborah Glessner for being supporters and longtime supporters since before the show even started. So I want to thank you guys so much for being a part of everything that we do. So, Jesse, thank you for coming on the show. And I want to hear your superhero origin story, where you came from, how you got into this whole hiking thing and where the Next Mile Meals came from. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. Um, all right, so that's a that's a lot to boil down into an elevator pitch. Um, all right, my superhero origin story. Um, I was born and raised on the East Coast, uh, from Virginia to Pennsylvania, back and forth a couple times. My dad was a um, an animal biologist. He studied he studied hormones and meat production, which becomes relevant later on in the story. Um, so as he was working with different academic programs, we went to Penn State and UC Davis and all of these ag schools. Eventually, I graduated college um, and decided that I really wanted to work with animals, not on the academic side, but um, more on the fun side. So I decided that I wanted to be um, in the marketing department at the San Francisco Zoo. For whatever reason, like that was my dream. I told somebody when I was 12, this is what I was going to do. Um, spent my entire college career studying marketing and uh, business and uh, consumer psychology uh, and eventually got there, uh, hopped around to a couple of different zoos along the way, but eventually landed in San Francisco um, working in their marketing department. And I thought this was it. This is all I'm ever going to want to do with my life is, is work with animals at the zoo. This is like, who could ever want more? Um, but did it for a couple of years and realized that I really love the marketing side of things um, and that uh, working at a nonprofit, your resources are pretty limited. And the things that I wanted to do to really impact change in the world um, and to, to both like be able to survive in San Francisco on a nonprofit salary were a bit challenging to say the least. Um, so after a couple of years of working at the zoo, I, I moved to tech in the Bay Area. I'm working as a, a, as a head of marketing for a couple of different um, Bay Area tech startup. And this is where it gets interesting, where finally I had the moment where I was like, I'm I'm bored. <laughs> I'm <clears throat> a little bit burnt out. The uh, move fast and break things mentality of, of the tech space was a bit um, was a bit much. And I normally thrive on that. I'm very type A, as you can probably tell by the fact that I talk a mile a minute. <laughs> um, but after a while, I sort of wanted to like slow down a bit and, and and take a step back and realize, well, what what is the next, you know, X number of years of my career look like? Um, and so I decided to sort of like the best way to do that would be to just walk off into the woods and go hike the PCT. It, everyone always likes to ask like, well, you know, like what emotional reason or soul searching were you hoping to do on the trail? And, and honestly, I don't have a very sexy answer for that. It's like, it was a cool thing to go do. It was, it was five, six months where all I had to do was wake up every day, put my shoes back on, tear my tent down, walk 25 to 30 miles. And then at the end of the day, do it all over again. Um, and so that simplistic life was fantastic. It was, it was what I needed to just sort of take a break from the, from the rush of of the Bay Area. Um, but in order to do that, I needed to make some pretty significant changes. Um, my my diet at the time was keto. And uh, at the time, I like to say it was like, it was before it was cool. <laughs> uh, I was doing it, I guess it was, so I think I started eating a keto diet about 10 years ago. So that would have been like 2011, 2012. Um, again, my, my dad worked in, you know, animal biology and, and was sort of a big proponent of Atkins when it first started. Uh, and he lost a ton of weight. And so I just sort of grew up with, with that in mind that this is this is an alternate uh, metabolic metabolic pathway that was available if we wanted. And so I had done it uh, sort of for metabolism reasons, energy reasons, mental clarity reasons, uh, and loved it, which is fine in the front country when you have access to things like 
like, you know, grocery stores and restaurants. Um, but in the backcountry, it becomes very challenging. Uh, the the ways in which that food is preserved for the backcountry um, is usually dehydrated or freeze-dried, and high-fat foods don't preserve particularly well. They actually go bad pretty fast. So most backpacking food manufacturers will stuff their meals with really inexpensive, easy to dehydrate, easy to preserve for 20 years plus uh, carbs like rice and instant potatoes. And, and those sorts of things, uh, which is completely off limits for a keto diet. So I reached out to a couple backpacking food manufacturers as I tried to figure out, oh, how am I going to make this hike happen and stay keto? Because I really didn't want to go off keto. I knew that I felt like trash when I was eating conventional food. Um, and it, this felt like the best way that I could power through the miles, essentially, even though it had literally never been done before. I, I searched and searched to find somebody who had, no pun intended, blazed this trail before me um, and couldn't find anybody. And I was like, I mean, I am, I don't want to be the first please please tell me I'm not the first like someone has to have more information on this than than me fumbling my way through this answer no one had better information so I reached out to a bunch of uh, backpacking food manufacturers you know the type that you would see when you walk into REI and you you go to the food aisle and you see all the all the same like you know smiling group of people around a campfire uh and then the the Mountain View uh, brand next to it and and they all sort of um politely laughed at me (laughs) I said I was like you know I the way that I'm eating is I'm not alone that there is this this group of people, again, this is before it became mainstream, but there's this group of people, whether we are ketogenic or we follow Atkins or we are gluten-free or just, just you know, carbohydrate sensitive, um, and there's nothing out there. And if you just tap into this market, uh, again, this is me putting my, my marketer hat on early on. Um, I was like, you know, there's there's this market for you and and there's people that are, are going to like leap for joy if you can provide a way for them to stay ketogenic or at least keep to their way of eating in the back country as they do in the front country. And and yeah, the responses I got, if I even got responses, was like a polite, like, oh, how cute. Like, no, we're good. Thanks. <laughs> so <clears throat> so like as we, I, my partner and I, Christopher, as, as we sort of tried to figure out how to make my hike possible, he was he was staying behind uh, to help watch my pets and, and you know, keep the house going and, and ship me things along the trail. Um, we started making our own meals and, and I put together like seven or eight different recipes, um, really dehydrating my own things, sourcing bulk freeze-dried ingredients, um, contracting as an individual with these large producers and, and they'd be like, well, what's, what's your business identification? I'm like, it's just me. I don't, I don't know what you need from me. Um, I have money. I can give you money. And luckily they were all very flexible and were willing to work with me. Um, but, but man, dealing with like a hundred pounds of, of freeze-dried ground beef and looking at it as it showed up on a pallet as, as you as a person in the middle of San Francisco, I would just looked at it like, oh, what am I doing? This is, this is so crazy, but it worked. And so we, uh, we made about half of my meals before I even left. Um, we weighed out individual portions, tested all these recipes. Uh, my biggest fear was that as I hit trail, I would get bored. That some one of the meals would just like just and that's the first thing they say is like don't go out and buy you know a thousand Cliff bars because like by the time you reach mile like three hundred, you're gonna hate Cliff bars and now you've got you know however many Cliff bars left that you've got to now deal with. Uh, now you have a Cliff bar problem, and I I didn't want to have a, a my meal problem, so we only made so many just to make sure I knew what I was liking. Flew down to San Diego, which is where um, you kind of have to get a ride to the the beginning of the trail at the Mexican border. Um, I was at the time hiking with a friend whose father was a cardiologist and he was the one who gave us a ride from um, from San Diego down there uh, and he had unbeknownst to me as my as my friend told him you know Jesse's going to be eating keto uh, it's very different than everything else on trail he again a respected cardiologist pretty much said um, and I quote like she won't make it a hundred mile uh, at the time 
keto was not really well received, not really well studied, not really understood by the medical community or embraced as a as an alternative way of eating that that worked for some people. And so he was very pessimistic and I was a little bit <laughs> saddened to hear that. And and on once on trail, I sort of got the same feedback from other hikers those first few days. It was very much a this is cute, like <laughs> whatever novelty you're eating right now. One there's no reason for it was the response I got a lot of the times like, "Oh, you'll burn so many calories on trail. You don't need to be worried about what you're eating." And I, I kept explaining to them that it's not always about calories. That keto generally provides me uh, a better way of going about my day, of mental clarity, of those sorts of things. Um, and two was, yeah, you know, she'll, she'll bounce out. And then I found myself at like mile 500, and a bunch of other people had dropped out before me due to energy and tired, and they just sort of lost their love of the trail. And so well, we were still in California. We hadn't even left the first state, <laughs> and and I was still plugging along, and I was doing oftentimes more miles than than the other hikers around me. Um, I would I would usually wake up earlier, hike later. I was sleeping more efficiently. Um, I was taking fewer breaks throughout the day. Um, a lot of other hikers get, are fueled on Snickers bars and you know dehydrated potatoes and candy, whatever whatever is the highest caloric density that they can put in their bodies. It looks like a like a three year old planned their their lunch menu at, at kindergarten or something. Like it's it's not healthy. It's not great. It's not sustainable. But I was eating beef tacos with ground beef and 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 you know colorful veggies on a low carb tortilla or like a chicken and broccoli casserole with like you could see the broccoli and all the hikers kept looking over at me as they realized that I was doing fine I, I wasn't struggling I wasn't tired I was feeling great and they started just looking over being like well what, what do you got over there that, that smells pretty good around the campfire and so as I started realizing I had a couple extras and 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 I had my partner Christopher send out a couple um, spares here and there I started handing them out and the reviews were just oh my gosh this is incredible this is so much better than what I'm eating. And, and these are conventional hikers. They aren't keto at all. And so as I was getting through California, I sort of realized, oh, I think I think I might like want to find a way to, I don't know, sell these or at least provide an option or recipes online for other keto folks like myself who are in the same predicament, the opportunity to like, you know, keep it going. A lot of, a lot of the customers we have now reached out to me in those early days and told me that, um, you know, whether they were diabetic or had celiac, that their, their hobbies, the camping that they loved was completely off limits to them until they found food that could support them in the backcountry. So that was sort of my idea. And then uh, about, I want to say it's about 1200 miles in, I was in a little trail town. I think it was Shasta and uh, went to the local library and keep in mind at this point, I've been on trail for for three months, maybe a little bit less. Uh, and I smelled like a through hiker, which if you've never experienced, uh, you are wearing the same exact clothes for weeks on end without showering more than maybe once every week or so. And there I am, this, you know, this blonde girl, like I think I was like 30 at the time, um, just like walking into this like public library, just asking to use their computer so that I could set up a website. And I launched nextmilemeals.com, uh, put a little email form that simply said, hey, I'm through hiking this huge Pacific Crest Trail on keto. It's never been done before. I think that the food that I'm making is pretty good. If you're interested, let me know um, and put your email here. And then I like walked off into the woods again and didn't really think much about it. And by the time I finished a couple months later, the whole trail took about five months to the day. Um, and I got to Vancouver uh, and we're coming back through Seattle and I'm like just checking checking some things. And I looked at the website um, form and like thousands of names were there. Uh, thousands of names and thousands of emails 
emails saying like, oh my gosh, please, like this, this is something that we have been begging for for years. It's, it's preventing me from enjoying the outdoors. And, and I really hope you, you do something with this. And so now here we are, what has it been, four years later? Um, we launched this company as a, what was supposed to be a fun little side project while I went back to work in tech. It's taken off. And and the the responses I get from people are, are so kind. I, I was mostly worried about, um, you, you know, every e-commerce company, every food company has, you're dealing with food. You're dealing with people's tastes where, where there's persnickety um, likes and dislikes. And this was too salty or not salty enough or whatever. And I, I expected that. But we've had very little of that. Um, mostly it's been just an incredibly warm welcome from customers who understand that we, you know, quote unquote, we don't just walk the walk, but we also hike the hike <laughs> is, yeah. is sort of the, the phrase we use. So it's been a wild adventure. And that is a very long superhero origin story, but that's that's how we are and that's where we are today. That's totally fine. And I, I want to congratulate you. I don't know if you've been on a podcast since this happened, and I'm hoping I get to be the first podcaster to congratulate you. But a very carb-centric backpacking magazine called Backpacker Magazine voted you guys best backpacking meals out there. And that's that's a pretty impressive feat. We were so. super excited by that. And, and that's been the really cool thing as this journey has kind of gone on is, is it's not just the keto folks that like us. Other, other hikers are also realizing that a lot of food that's good for keto people is great just in general. It's high protein, high fat. It tastes good. Like it doesn't have to be unique to us. And backpacker, I, I honestly was, when I read, when I read your uh, article about your email, because I'm part of your email subscriber list, and you said that, and I'm thinking of all the the meals that Backpacker has put in because they occasionally do those recipe sections. And I can never think of one meal that they've ever put out there that wasn't completely laden with carbs and sugar and chocolate and whatnot. So this is this is really impressive that a company like that that literally focuses all their food energy on these high carb things is taking notice. And I think that's a, that is a massive impact in, in the backpacker community. Thank you. And, and we, we feel that impact. Like this was really the first conventional um, uh, magazine mention that we've really had. We were found by outside magazine a while ago, but they described our meals as delicious, but a bag of meat. And this woman had never tried them before. And I just, I sent her meals and I was like, if you try them, you'll realize they're like, you know, fresh fajitas or chicken casserole that, that they're actually really good. And, and she was like, maybe later keto isn't important to us. And I just remember, I remember that email. And so to have, yeah, have Backpacker Magazine say that, you know, we are the best backpacking meal. is just like, ugh, I, I have such like this just, I don't know, imposter syndrome or just stars in my eye. Like it's, it means a lot to us. Yeah. You know, I think the endurance community is taking more notice into the benefits of having a higher fat diet or longevity in the sport you know not only the energy to keep going without having the the bonks and things like that but eating a lot of carbs is a carbs is a lot of wear and tear on your body with the inflammation that it creates and uh, the nutrient density of noodles and things like that just isn't there so you're not getting the right materials to repair bone and you have guys like bitter zach bitters who who is doing these massive marathons going, hey, guys, you know, this is kind of a better way of going if you're endurance. And Tim Noakes, who wrote the book on carb loading and endurance back in the day, has switched 
over and is creating and he he's just was recently on the podcast and and he, you know he talks about how he you know off air we talked a little bit how he got into changing his mind and what he was seeing with the endurance athletes that he was originally coaching to do these carb loads and what was happening later on in their life so it makes a lot of sense to me because backpacking is a endurance sport it, it is it is you know that long carrying a lot of weight plodding along, oftentimes climbing elevation or even equally as challenging going down elevation. It takes a lot of sustained energy to hit. If you're doing a through hike through Appalachian Trail or the AT or the Continental Divide, you're going to need that sustained energy to make miles so that you can make it within the time frame that you need to make it, let alone, let's say you do the American Discovery Trail. One so, day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, 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 you know, that's a 6,900 mile trail, you know, so you're going to need that endurance. And I've, I've listened to you, how I found you was, um, first, you did a podcast with Danny Vega is where I, I remember. Oh, I love first. that you evangelist chat. I have such a great time. Yeah. With you guys. And then I, later on, I heard you on Daisy's podcast, uh, the Keto Woman podcast. So now I'm happy to have you on, on my podcast. It's been cool. And I tried to get you on months ago but you, you know you want what it is to be a business owner and, and a sole so owner of the business it makes it really challenging i know so i had to be very patient and I, i'm and persistent which which you. i appreciate i i love that in people so i'm so glad we were so, able to make this work <laughs> thank you. i actually ordered and i i've I've told you this story, but I ordered a couple of boxes while I was a truck driver. And freeze-dried meals or dehydrated meals, they're not just for backpackers. I want to put this out there. If you got one, if you want to do an emergency kit and you want shelf-stable food for an emergency kit, which I'm, you know, I'm not talking about crazy doomsday forever where you're putting your shotgun up next to your spam. I'm talking about being ready for a potential natural disaster, or as we just saw with the COVID thing, you know, a possible disruption to the, the food distribution system, and you want to be prepared for it. Buying and stocking up on shelf-stable meals that are healthier for you, that can last a long time, is a great way to go. And freeze-dried foods are fantastic for this, because not only are they shelf stable, but freeze drying preserves more of the micronutrients than just about any other preservation method out there. And even when I was a truck driver, I had my emergency kit underneath my bunk for occasions where something might happen and, and something did happen. I got stuck in a uh, whiteout conditions blizzard for like three days and I was at a rest area with no food available. I ended up not just feeding myself, but also a few other people that were not truck drivers, but got stuck there. They were regular car drivers. They got stuck there. So they ended up in my truck and I fed them next mile meals, which means I didn't get to try all the next mile meals, but oh, I'm no. still on that. <laughs> For good, for good I, reason. Looking, That's a noble reason. <laughs> yeah. So the fajitas and the meatball marineras got eaten up by the kids. And um, I got to take the breakfast ones because in my mind, and we talked about this off air, in my mind, the worst backpacking meal you can get is breakfast, unless it's like granola or something like that. But the backpacking breakfast meals suck. Let's be real. No, they, they taste horrible. <laughs> And yours didn't. I was actually, I took, I was like ready to take my bite. And I was like, ah, oh, 
this is actually pretty good, man. This is like like more like a Denver omelet than I expected, you know. And this, so this is pretty awesome. And I, I, you know, I added a little melted butter on mine because I had it in my fridge. And but uh, it was the fact that you can nail down breakfast, and that's something that like all the big companies. If you've tried the backpacker pantry, you know, scrambles or omelets or whatever, they're nasty. They're not they really good. Are. I know. And this was sort of our mentality going into it, which was we're, we're tiny. We can be small and scrappy and make changes really quick. And so originally the only meals that we launched with were the exact meals that I started the trail with. There was one that I decided I, I couldn't eat any more of, and I wasn't going to, uh, it was like this, like an Asian stir fry dish that I just, I couldn't figure out how to dehydrate soy sauce really well. So maybe one day we'll come back to it, but everything you see on our site is exactly what I ate on trail. Not, not a single change. Um, but there wasn't any breakfast originally because as a through hiker like you get up and go like having time to cook breakfast is not actually part of that equation so I would always do like a, a an instant coffee with a ton of powdered heavy cream to get like a caloric bump in the morning but breakfast wasn't like on my radar um, and it wasn't until we've been uh, in business for about a year and we, we kept getting emails from amazing folks who were like I love your meals please please release a breakfast and again I'm not a breakfast person so I was like okay well you know we're tiny enough so like let's try it and so we spent the first off season and just really perfecting, you know, a couple breakfast recipes just to see how it would go. And when we released them, they sold out in like four hours. And I was like, oh, we need to rethink the demand for these things. So um, yeah, so now we have we have two breakfasts and they like scrambled eggs taste like scrambled eggs. We, we yeah. eat these just in the office here whenever we're having like a, a, a day where we just can't get time to sit down and eat lunch. Like we we love the breakfast and, and the two you mentioned, the tacos and the and the marinara. We, we eat them in the front country. That's, that's how good we think yeah. they are. And and to your point, the, the other learning we had was not just people eat breakfast. It was also how many different ways in which our meals have helped folks and, and having some sort of shelf-stable keto option has been great. Not just, you know, backpacking, which is great and camping. Um, and COVID, oh my goodness, when, when COVID started disrupting um, people's access to grocery stores, we, we had an entire years of sales in March of last year. And it was stressful for everyone um, as we were, we really wanted to be able to, you know, fulfill all these orders for these folks who were in a panic, uh, but also not, you know, fear monger at all. Like we wanted to set expectations that like things will probably be fine but if this is you know a product you want to purchase we want to be there for you we get orders from wildfire fire wildfire fighters um who are just like stationed kind of in a remote place for a while in a cabin and they just need they just need access to something so it's been it's and and i remember your story early on i feel like you emailed us in our early days with like oh i, I use these as a trucker and i was like oh truckers that's a whole other world i hadn't even thought about so it's been really cool to to hear from folks and i think that's kind of what makes us different is is almost every email that comes to next mile and and if anyone's listening and wants to say hi it's literally just hi at nextmilemeals.com um almost all those emails cross my desk and i see everything the good the bad the the frustration why is this out of stock well it's out of stock because it's really popular we're, we're trying really hard guys so so it's it's been cool to be this small but also kind of to be able to support folks in all these different ways um but yeah it's, it's been it's been a fun ride i gotta say for a trucker or somebody who's on the road like a trucker these things are great because i'll talk about price point in a minute but but the accessibility of healthy food on the road is, is hit or miss. And, and the ability for a trucker to stop off somewhere and actually get something is, is extremely challenging. Most truck stops nowadays have basically fast food or diners that are heat and eat drop stuff and it's cooked in nasty oils and a lot of carbs and whatnot. It, it's really tough to eat healthy. You can get some cheap backpacker meals and they're, they're, you know, like Mountain House and stuff. You can get stuff as cheap as I think five bucks. It's like a cup of noodles. They're loaded with carbs. There's 
there's no nutrition there and you're going to be hungry later. Like the, these things don't stick to your rib. And if you think about it, because next mile meals, the price point goes around 14 bucks or so. You'll spend that going to a fast food restaurant for getting horrible food. You know, you'll like we on average will spend more than 14 bucks per meal just on on, on a fast food restaurant or a Denny's or something like that. And, and we generally don't get the quality of meals that are in next mile meals. And the next mile meals, unlike a lot of the other backpacker meals, or unlike just any kind of preserved meals that you get, like, like I know a lot of backpackers I knew used to pack ramen or, or cup of noodles or something like that. You know, I remember guys taking their cup of noodles and putting it in mylar bags. So, you know, and not caring if it got squished. One of my favorites would, before I went keto as I would bring pad thai because it was one of the few that actually tasted decent. You're just, you, you eat that meal and you're hungry, like, like literally a half hour later, or you're bonking or you're losing energy or something like that. Whereas the, the next mile meals, you know, bag of meat, what's wrong with that? I'm loving that. <laughs> like bag of meat. Okay. I'm in. Uh, you know, um, but you got the sustainable animal based fat source that is going to keep you going. You got the protein, which is going to help recovery and rebuild those muscles. You got the, you're getting more for your money with something like this than you are with any of these other, you know, filler meals that the carb filler meals. And one of the things that I has been really educational now that I've run a food business, which like was never in my cards. I, I if you had told me when I was 12, like, Jesse, you're gonna you're gonna be buying 10,000, you know, pounds of ground beef at a time. And you're gonna think that's not enough. I would have laughed at you because that was not where I was headed. Um, but now that I'm in it, and I'm learning it as I go, one of the really interesting things just on a personal level is just like learning how to really read labels. And so we do get a lot of emails from folks who say things like your meals are $14. And I, I say yes, but if you actually look at our competitors, um, and I certainly won't call them out by name, but you have and I appreciate that. <laughs> um, if you actually measure the, the dollars per calorie, if you actually look at like how much bang for your literal buck are you getting? Um, a lot of our competitors sell for five, six bucks, but they each serving size is like 150 calories, 200 calories. The dollar per, per calorie and, and especially dollar per ounce when you're carrying food on your back as a backpacker is really important. Um, so I always say like, use that as a metric as well, um, but also look for the, the serving size um, magic mystery obfuscation. Um, a lot of our competitors put 2.5 servings in each pouch. Nobody actually eats to one serving out of the 2.5 and stops theirs. Like, no, to actually be full, you have to eat that whole pouch. Like none of the backpackers I've ever spoken to have been like, yep, I'm full. I'm good here with my one cup of food. Like, no, you need the two and a half cups of food. And so when our product is actually compared to the, the non, I don't want to say like the labels lie to you, but they are certainly manipulated in such a way to make them seem like a better deal or to make the serving size seem like it goes further than it does. Um, so yeah, we get emails from folks who are like, you know, your competitors, I can get two and a half servings out of this seven, $8 meal. And I say, yeah, but those aren't real servings. If their serving size is 125 calories, let's say, um, and ours is 580. I, I hope you can do the math. Like, and, yeah. and I think that we've put a lot of trust in our customer's ability to see through that smoke and mirrors that other, that other companies do. And it's not just unique to the backpacking food industry. This is, this is the famous Tic Tac example. Like if you Tic Tacs mm -hmm. have zero, zero carb, zero calories, zero sugar. Well, sure. Because they say the serving size is one Tic Tac. Who here eats one Tic Tac? 
nobody here eats one Tic Tac. Like half the bottle's gone. And I'm like, all right, I'll, I guess I can have a piece of gum now. Like, no, <laughs> that's not how this works. So it's been really educational to really dive in and understand how to read labels so that not only we can put accurate labels on our product, like that's, that's the biggest thing is we want to be as transparent about what is in our meals as possible because I don't think anybody else is. And we want somebody to look at our label and not wonder what spices mean. Sometimes spices has MSG and soy. Like, how are you not declaring that? Um, and so we go, we, we take a lot of extra steps to make sure not only that our labels are as clean as possible, we do try to avoid soy and MSG where we can, um, unless it's absolutely necessary for something in the meal. Um, but we also try to disclose all of that. The oversight on labeling is really poor. <laughs> it's astonishing poor. No, like nobody is checking them to make sure that like scientific analyses are done. It really is trusting the manufacturer. And to be blunt, I don't trust a lot of the manufacturers out there, not just at backpacking meals, but just in the grocery store. Um, and mm-hmm. so we have spent a lot of time making sure that the label you see in our product matches what is in there absolutely without any questioning and that our price point is for one meal. Each pouch is one meal because we know you're not sharing with other people, nor should you. It should be yours, even though you were kind enough to share with the kids in the snowstorm. <laughs> so yes, our, our meals are priced high, but they are all meat. It costs our competitors five cents per pouch to put that much rice and pasta in. So when you're buying it at scale, it's cheap. <laughs> to put ground beef into a meal and make it the majority of the meal costs four or five dollars. Um, and so yeah. we will never ever reach the margins and the, the profiteering of our competitors. Um, but that's not why we're doing this. Like we did this to make hikes possible, to make to, to give access to a community that had no food options before, um, which still blows my mind. And, and, you know, knock on wood, there's still no one else doing it. Um, for whatever reason, they think that, you know, folks that eat like I do are just not worth targeting, not worth fulfilling their needs. So until until Mountain House decides that keto folks are are, are worthwhile demographic, I am I'm happy to keep providing our tiny little family run business and, and we'll keep providing nutrition to, to those that need it. Yeah. Uh, food serving sizes drives me absolutely bonkers because I'm, you know, I'm six foot six and at one point weighed 618 pounds, currently weigh 275. So recommended serving siding, sizes, <laughs> I, I kind of <laughs> chuckle that quite a bit because it, when it comes to serving sizes, I'm not only eating my bag of food, I'm probably eating my neighbor's bag of food and a couple other people's bag of food too. I, I went out backpacking and took the Kalalau Trail out in Hawaii. We packed a mountain house and backpackers pantry were the meals of choice that we brought with us because that was the deal. There was a couple others that we got that had like some Indian curries and stuff and they were just nasty. Those were like the only meals we didn't finish because we were just like, like even though as hungry as we were, they were just gross. But I, I remember being out there that I, I literally packed per meal time, I packed two to three meals plus dessert for myself because I- <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> I knew these things wouldn't keep me going, you know, and, uh, and, and, you know, the, the, um, and, and frankly, the desserts ain't all that great either. You know, the, there's a couple that are halfway decent, but freeze-dried ice cream ain't what it's cracked up to be. So. <laughs> For sure. And one of the nice things, and this is especially true on trail where PCT hikers, you're burning six, 7,000 calories a day. It's, it's crazy. And so you get what's called hiker hunger, where your body just kicks into this metabolism level that your body knows no boundary. Like your stomach is bottomless. Um, I never really experienced that. All, all my hiker friends, we, I had what's called a trail family. Eventually I met up with a group that we ended up finishing the trail together. So we were, we were morning, noon and night hiking next to each other for I think three of the five months I was on trail. Um, and I watched them just like eat a candy bar for breakfast, power up this hill faster than I was to be clear. Like all of them hiking 
hike faster than I did. Um, but they, I would pass them at the top of the hill because they would be crashing because their bodies were so hungry and they burned so quickly through that Snickers bar. They'd be at the top of the hill shoving another candy bar in their faces. I was like, hi guys, bye guys. And I just kept going. Um, and so the food that keto hikers at this point, because keto has kind of had a little bit of a movement um, and there's now like keto hiker uh, Reddit su subreddits and keto hiker Facebook groups. Like there's communities built around this now. Um, the There's enough information sharing that a lot of folks are realizing that even for conventional hikers, whether you're eating the, the backpackers pantry, the mountain house, um, you have to add calories to things. And so a lot of these hikers end up sort of stealing ideas, which is great. We love sharing them, um, taking ideas, adopting ideas um, from keto hikers. Like, hey, like hike with a pouch of dehydrated heavy cream or dehydrated butter. Like that's just pure calories that are lightweight in your bag or hike with a pouch of olive oil, um, whatever you, or macadamia nuts better than almonds, which are way better than peanuts, which are totally better than M&Ms. That if you actually look at the approved hiking food, not keto hiking food, but just recommended hiking food, um, a lot of it is ketogenic, just sort of accidentally. Uh, and and that's sort of been the big push that we've had is, is like, we want to make sure that even for folks who may not buy our meals, you know, our price point's high. We totally get that. So our site is also a, like a resource for folks who are eating, you know, just like your Hawaii trip, which by the way, that trail is on my bucket list. It's, it's It looks beautiful. It's incredible. <laughs> um, but like for folks that are like, cool, we have these, maybe, maybe they're homemade meals. Maybe they are, um, yeah, they bought them on sale for $5 a pop at REI. Like I'm certainly not going to begrudge you that. I, I'm not sitting over here as an evangelical saying everybody should do keto and keto hiking is great for everyone because sometimes it's not, it's not for everybody. And you have to be really keto adapted to it. You have to be strict about it. And so for folks that are eating conventionally, like use our website as a resource. There's a whole bunch of lists of just like things you can buy in stores that we don't sell. We make no money off of it. Um, that are just good ideas to have on trail, like better swaps for your trail mix instead of raisins and M&Ms better, you know, what kind of drinks to buy not necessarily like, you know, packing a, a, a soda, but you can add calories to your coffee and you can have a protein shake in the morning instead. So, um, watching the sort of backpacker community switch from, like you said, like we need ice cream. Like, no, you don't, you don't need ice cream on trail. Um, what you need is really good calories, calories that'll keep you full proteins and fats that will make sure that you're not starving at the end of the day. I, uh, I regularly drove from, uh, San Diego area or, uh, San Bernardino area up through the five and when I'd get up toward weed California and a few other places you know there I'd see some of the backpackers coming through that were hiking the PCT and stuff and there was a couple of times where I'd go and make coffee for a few of them that you know might have show up at the at that uh love's truck stop or that was a flying yeah. jake no I'm familiar there. with that one you, you, you did what we call trail magic you provided trail yeah. magic <laughs> I would make people my version of a bulletproof coffee. And because I needed shelf-stable stuff on the truck, um, my coffee was basically a meal. I would brew a cup of, you know, coffee, which, you know, you may not have the luxury of doing on the trail unless you want to pack in a, a percolator or French press or something. But there's a lot of instant coffees you can get out there. But mixing together, I had a little mix where I would buy Anthony's butter powder, Anthony's uh, whey powder, and Anthony's coconut milk powder. And then I would get the um, crystal whole eggs and some keto chow. And I would mix all that stuff together and make like a big thing of of coffee for about four or five different people that were out there and that's a meal that's a great way to to get going and if you wanted to at home and pre-mix you know your little creamer packet with all that stuff in there you can make like the little little tiny ziploc baggies or whatever you can make a bunch of that stuff and and make your your morning breakfast even with some instant coffee like let's say um 
who makes a good one um, for Sigmatic, you know, and, and you can make yourself a nice meal to start off the day that you just drink and keep, keep yourself going. We're pretty much coffee snobs in this house. So like for us to go to instant coffee was a bit of a, like a pill to swallow, <laughs> but we found some really great ones. Yeah. <laughs> we, um, what we started doing was we started reaching out to a bunch of um, local brewers or uh, at least ones on the West coast. And we found a bunch that made really great instant coffee. Um, I think the one I use on trail was called Stoke. I, I messaged them and I was like, I found you guys in a hiker box and you're incredible. And they happily shipped me more. I purchased them along, along the hike. But yeah, the, the using your coffee as a meal when you're in a rush is something that I don't think a lot enough hikers do and it's actually one of and this is this is kind of the first time i've announced this is like one of the products we want to start putting out is little packets that you can put in your morning coffee whether that's you know a heavy cream mct mixture or whether it's hot cocoa it's just something that is a, it's like a good three four hundred calorie like kick to your system and unfortunately everything right now is like you tell me where you can find a keto single serve hot cocoa packet like that's all i wanted in life was just to be able to like put a packet into hot water stir it and have hot cocoa on trail and i just they just didn't exist so be the change you wish to see in the world so hopefully as soon as the uh, the busy season ends and I can start doing some recipe development, we'll we'll start putting those out too. But um, absolutely, that is a great suggestion for folks who are just looking to just, especially ketogenically, just add some calories to your days. Just put in your coffee. And adding things like collagen or like that to your coffee too is a great way to, you know, keep them gen- joints nice and lubed up and, and recovering after that. Because hiking with a lot of weight can be rough on your joints, especially when you're going over terrain and ascending or descending an altitude. And this is why I, I always say to, to hikers, conventional hikers, like even if you don't plan on hiking keto, the calories per ounce, and this is this is very unique backpacker math, is like we were weighing our tent, we were trying to figure out which string to attach to our tent that had like three grams lighter than the other tent. Um, so, so we do ultralight backpacking. So my entire pack um, from the moment I hit on trail, minus food, this is important, minus food is about like nine or 10 pounds. Um, and that includes my tent, my clothes, um, all of my cook stuff, uh, everything like that. And so that feels great to hike with. That's like a day pack. When you start adding food and water, that's where your back and your joints start to ache. And so keto food has the best across the board, the best um, calories per ounce math. It's, it's the densest, the, the best bang for your buck is if you're looking to reduce the amount of weight on your back, but still get the same number of calories, keto hiking food is great for that. And so it's cool watching the ultralight backpack community kind of figure that out, that like food is actually a way you can, sh- you can shave weight. I have a few questions from my group and I'm going to ask a question from one person now. They don't know I'm interviewing you. So okay. I just <laughs> question. Anybody got questions about keto backpacking? I, I wanted to preface this because you're gonna probably crack up at the at this question when when I ask it. So this is there was a three-part question by Doug Hildebrandt, who um, I'm gonna read right now. Uh, the question is, anybody want to know anything about keto backpacking? He said, who's doing it? How far have they done it? I'm trying to work out the logistics of a coast-to-coast walk now. ADT, rails, trails, lots of possibilities. What foods are light, keeps well, still good on the keto macros? Nuts, nut butter, packaged fat bombs, jerky, commercial pemmican, homemade pemmican, those packaged next mile meal things. <laughs> well, I'm glad we have some notoriety. <laughs> Are there any good chocolate recommendations with a high melting, the chocolate one? No, this is great. Okay, so we'll start with uh, logistics. Logistics are are actually the hardest part. Everybody knows, well, if you've done keto for a while, you know what you should be eating, but how to get that food to you on trail is actually very challenging. A lot of hikers on, especially through the PCT, um, were self-supported, meaning they didn't have anybody at home mailing them things. If they got to a town that had a grocery store, which there are very few, there's maybe, I think there's 30 or 40 trail towns that you have the option of like, 
hiking into or hitching into um, to resupply. Of those, maybe five had actual grocery stores or, or uh, some of them had just gas stations with like jars of peanut butter and Twinkies. Um, and so the options to resupply along trail are fairly limited. If you are self-supported, a lot of them will go to a grocery store. Like there's one in Big Bear um, down in California and they will pre-purchase all of the, the like they'll, they'll, they'll pre-portion out all of their, you know, okay, well, I need five days for this place and 10 days for this place. And they'll ship them ahead to themselves. If you are hiking keto, you do not have that luxury of being able to resupply at a grocery, at a gas station, at most grocery stores. You can get by with the grocery stores, but it's not great. Um, and especially some of the trail towns that are literally just, you know, lodges in the middle of the Sierras, uh, they're not going to have anything you can eat. And so I would be surprised if somebody was successfully able to through hike solo without any support. Um, I, in my time in 2017, before stores really carried anything with the name keto on them, things are a little bit different now. Um, I was totally reliant on my partner, Christopher, who was home and was mailing out what are we called mail drops ahead of time. So just about a week or two out, he would, he would have this elaborate spreadsheet that was like calculating my pace per day. Okay. Between Warner Springs and the next one is, you know, 102 miles. So she's going to need this many days of food. And he was, he was very carefully them out. Like I, people always ask me like, what would you do? Or what advice would you give to, to keto hikers? And I would say, find yourself a Christopher, um, find yourself somebody who is willing to put in that time to mail ahead all the things you're going to need. And it's not just food. It's you need ice spikes. When you reach the Sierras, you need to send home your bear can when you're out of Yosemite. Like there's a bunch of logistic challenges that you need a partner for. And it's doubly true for keto hikers. So that's, that's the first part is, is having a mail resupply buddy is crucial. If you want to do it on hard mode and do it by yourself, let me know. I'd love to hear about the, how that goes, but um, you really need you really need somebody at home. Um, as far as which foods to pack, our website has a great list. So it's a lot of um, oils, so a lot of olive oils or avocado oils. Um, I love to pack these in. Uh, if you go to the try the uh, travel section of your local drugstore, um, there's always like a baby oil. Um, if you clean it out really good, the lids on those tiny little guys, two ounce bottles, they're made to prevent oil from leaking. Uh, so I fill up a whole bunch of those with olive oil and sesame oil if I'm eating something uh, Asian cuisine. Uh, those are really great for adding a couple hundred calories to your to your meals. Um, chocolate with a <laughs> with a melting point. Um, I loved the I forget what the brand was simply it was available at Trader Joe's. Uh, this is what I used to make uh, the trail mix that I ate on trail. What I would recommend is just embrace the melt <laughs> and put it in a bag and eat it with a spoon as you hike. Um, but some of the warmer days, especially through the desert section uh, the Mojave, um, my trail mix, which was comprised and we put this recipe online. So so if anyone wants to hear a keto trail mix recipe, it's available on nextmilemeals.com. Hey everybody, thank you for listening to this episode of the Fatty Joe Show. Jesse Greger and I will continue our conversation on the next episode, so be sure to check that out. Also be sure to go to carriebrown.com and check out all the great recipes and cookbooks and courses and things that are offered on that site. If you go there and check those things out, it helps support the show. It helps support all the work that Carrie does, all the work that I do. And it, uh, you can get some great benefits out of it for yourself as well. Also, be sure to check out patreon.com slash the fatty Joe show or patreon.com slash Carrie Brown to help the show out a little bit. We want to grow the show. We want to, we really want to grow the show, improve the sound quality, get better equipment and things like that, that can really help us uh, bring the show to a next level. And, and to do that, we need your support. And also it's a listener supported podcast. We're not 
doing advertising from third-party sources so we're not beholden to third-party influences and, and we really want to bring the listeners the best experience possible but in order to do that we need to have the support from the listeners with your donations and support we could really improve everything about the show and bring you the best information in the best way possible All right, everybody, thank you so much, and be sure to be kind to one another. See you on the next episode. Thank you for joining us on the Fatty Joe Show. Be sure to leave a comment and subscribe. It helps the show reach more people. To support the show, as well as Carrie Brown and Yogi's work on the blog, Keto Recipe Development, Masterclasses, and to gain access to private Facebook groups and other awards, go to patreon.com slash the Fatty Joe Show, or patreon.com slash Brown. Also, check out our Carrie Brown and Yogi Parker YouTube channel for video versions of The Fatty Joe Show, recipe videos, and more. Join our awesome community on the Facebook group, The Keto Kitchen with Carrie Brown and Yogi Parker, and check out our carriebrown.com website for recipes, blog posts, discounts, cookbooks, masterclasses, and other great stuff. Thank you so much.